0: Listening to the Apollo Podcast Network.
1: One Jones across midfield. Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the fifth time in his career. Patterson to the corner for three to midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. It's
0: gone! It's gone! Dramon Mark at the buzzer! They call him the five-slammer jammer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Five Slamma Jammer presented by Apollo Media. All Houston, all Original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Anas. And I we have been covering the UH Athletics Beat for several years. Me personally have covered it for the past three seasons, a couple, uh, a little bit different this past season. Spent the last two as a full-time UH Athletics Beat reporter. I'm joined by my co-host, as
1: always, Dayon. Take it away. What's up? I'm Dayan. I'm your second co-host. I've been covering the Cougars since they were playing in half runs before the Fatida Center. So it's been a while. I'm very familiar with this program, and you guys have just now tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podslamajama. Follow myself at Dayon Dunlap, but also be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account. That's Apollo, H-O-U, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to us or listen to your podcast. Please subscribe, man. We appreciate it. For sure. And let's
0: jump right into it, On Today, we're going to be discussing, uh, obviously, of course, a basketball-heavy show because we're right in the middle of basketball season with both the women's and men's basketball teams getting right into the heart of their respective conference schedules and really two teams that are heading in completely different directions. When referring yep. to the women's team and the men's team, we'll start with the women's team who uh, just dropped their sixth game in a row this past Sunday against South Florida, and uh, just a brutal game to watch. Only managed to point thirty five points of offense. Day on. It was hard to watch. There's no other words to describe it. And really, since losing to UCF, where we talked about it, uh, twenty days ago, since the one that we're recording this uh, on January thirty first, we it seemed like that game would kind of be optimistic after the rough start. To, team had to the season. It Mm -hmm. looked like they were right there. They battled with something they hadn't been able to do, and that's compete with UCR. Honestly, they had the opportunity. They should have won the game after uh, turnovers and just going ice cold literally on the final possession. They had five different chances to be able to to tie the game in force overtime, and they just could not capitalize. And after that game, it has just all the the, the train has derailed out of this team. They have lost, like I mentioned, they've lost six in a row. And looking at some of these teams, they've lost to Temple, Tulane, Cincinnati, Memphis, and now, of course, adding to the list, South Florida. And really, this has got to be the most brutal loss of the season. Only managing 35 points of total offense for the entire game. That's that's brutal, Dion. I, I'll let you take it's it. Hard away. What, what what are your thoughts of the six game losing?
1: Streak? Man, you're coming off a six game win streak, and then now on a six game losing streak. It's like you had highs. First, you know, like you mentioned, starting the season low, and then you go on a six-game winning streak in which, during that time, Tierra Young was the major adjustment who was inserted to the start lineup, missed, um, I think, that, that Wichita State game with COVID, came back coming off the bench and, uh, against Tulsa, they win that game. And then, like you said, UCF, they battled. And then, ever since then, it's like – it's been hard to watch. And mainly, they're still playing really good defense. They're still playing very tough on Mm -hmm. defense, but – when you can't score on offense, its I don't know if it – well, it is hard. i played basketball my entire life. It's hard to continue to play defense at a high level. It's deflating, and and that's the main thing. From what I've seen from my point of view is the lack of execution on offense for, for whatever reason it is, I, I don't know. It don't seem like they have an identity. That's the main thing on offense. I think they have identity as far as what they want to do, but I don't know if that isn't – suitable for this team, whatever it is, offense is the problem. It, it isn't defense. Cause you look through the first three quarters with South Florida, they're in the game. And then, like you said, they just go cold and they they, they can't buy a bucket and what teams are forcing them to do is play more than the half court set and execute in the half court set. And, and it's tough to do that when you don't move the ball. And, and that's the, another thing that what I'm seeing is lack of ball movement as far as it's a they get into their dribble drive. It's a, it's a little motion, but they really don't make the opposing team defense really work. And so it, it's been tough, man. And they're going to face a tough Tulsa team who they beat at home. but she They was without Maya Mayberry. Her sister, Yvette Mayberry, played and she played well. But Maya Mayberry is actually first in the nation, shooting 50 percent from three. And so Tulsa is a really good team. And. The American Conference, man, their team and their—I don't think they get enough recognition. But Houston was picked to finish third, and they're struggling.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just looking, breaking down more of the game against US, USF, looking down, um, two, just, just look at the shooting charts. You have Leila Blair four for fifteen, Tiara Young two for ten, Brittany J all for six. Like those three players, they—they've been relying on offense throughout the season, especially whether it be Brittany. Anya Jay, who going back to that game in UCF when she caught fire from, from three point nine really kept Houston in the game. And yep. uh, obviously, of course, the Blair, they always rely on her to be kind of that instant offense where there's been plenty of games during the season where she struggled. And really, like we mentioned, it it's kind of gone to that point where it really seems like nothing can go right for this UH team. And 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 really at the end of the day, it's just offensive struggles like you touched on. Yep. You look at other categories; they're not turning the ball over that much, and like you mentioned, they held USF to just twenty-three points after the first half. But they themselves—they only scored sixteen points in the first half. They had twenty-two points through three quarters. I mean, my goodness, that is that is middle school basketball type of stuff. And we're being honest, which is for a Division One level
1: school, that that's abysmal. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Especially going into the Big Twelve, like you got to look at the, the entire landscape like you look at all the programs around UH all of their sports most of them are thriving going into a harder conference and so uh, with the amount of talent that they have at their disposal uh, I, it's really it's really offensive it, I, I don't really know the words, but it's definitely the total opposite from what you see from the men's not to compare the two, but I mean, we're human. Well, for me, I watched every single game from mm-hmm. both programs, men's and the women this season. And of course I called the, um, all of their home games. And so I see this team a lot. I'm familiar with them a lot and how they play in the game. Of course I don't see them at practice, but I, I don't know how they turn it around. How do how do you finish the season? Like, Do you just lay down? You lost six straight. Oh, probably can't make the tournament unless we win the conference tournament. So, I mean, it's a lot of basketball left. We're really going to see what they're made of as far as how they play, I feel like, in Tulsa. Because in the last podcast, we talked about the amount of games that they played. In the amount of days, it was a short amount of days, they had eight days before they played South Florida. So they were well rested. Got a few players back. Diamond Gladnick came back from after missing four games. Bria Batterson came back after missing, I, I believe, like two or three games. And Brittany Anya J missed the last game. She said, "I went to injury." So they had players coming back. They were well rested for at home, national televised game on ESPN. You like you got to be ready to play. Mm-hmm.
0: And kind of to break down, like you mentioned, they were coming off the winning streak, and now they've extended falling into a six-game losing streak. During that winning streak, there was not a single game that they won where they didn't score 60 or more points And each, every single one of those games. Turn around, the losing streak, they haven't been able to put they haven't been able to score more than 60 in any of the and games. They've averaged yep. 50, and, and South Florida really the, the bottom just a lot where they couldn't even muster up 40 points, which is just abysmal. And it, it's kind of – it's so weird where with this team, it's been – the good has been good. They've had flashes of good, and the bad has been really bad. And like you mentioned, it's going to be a gut-check opportunity. It's going to be gut-check time for them on Wednesday in Tulsa okay. because – you know, you. Where Kelvin no. Sampson always mentions that uh, uh, team's identity. You really get to see what their identity is when their back is against the wall. Against the wall. Um, yep. this Houston team is going to get challenged. Um, do they? Do they just crumble? Do they just let the losing streak extend? It's already gotten a little bit out of hand. And like you mentioned, really, they have no hope to make the the NCAA tournament as an at large bid at this point. That really, the only hope would be to, to put together a miraculous run in the conference tournament and do what they weren't able to do and that's beat usf beat ucf and i don't know i i feel like at this point there all the alarms are are ringing and it really we don't want to call for any and just to put that out there because we're going to we're going to put it straight we've had ron hula on the show before but this and any other, and you mentioned the Big 12, but any other program this season, especially coming off the good year that they had a season ago, should put a head coach on the hot seat.
1: Possibly. Possibly. And you, you mentioned in these six game losing streak, they lost. I mean, they haven't scored over 60 points and in, in all of the games, but one when they scored over 70 points, they won every game itself against Alabama and so mm-hmm. that's a difference offensively that's the difference I don't know what it is that they aren't doing why they're not playing to their capabilities and what they can do because like you said when it's good they look good and the talent that they have and the amount of games that they have before the tournament are you as a team you can get hot you show that you can get hot for me in my opinion maybe it's a shake up in the start lineup again Get more offense because you're, that's, that's what they're lacking inside in, in the game. And then uh, you get high, and then you go into that tournament. Maybe UCF and USF, where they count on one of each other out. You never know how the seasons or what may go. Mm-hmm. You get high, you get going into the tournament. With the talent that they have, it could be done. Anything is possible, man. I've saw anything happen in the game of basketball. So, it's, uh, I expect them to keep battling it. And if it is on a high – if coach is on a high seat, it's still time to finish out the season strong. And Coach Huey said out of his mouth, he told me that it was pressure on, on him – to have his second consecutive winning season. And he said he didn't want to put none of it on the players he wanted to and put it all on him, and he wanted to embrace it. And so I expect for him to continue coaching, continue to try to do things to turn it around. I mean, I know he's not going to quit. He's going to still have that energy. And for so as sure. it, games bluff it's enough time to continue to keep chomping away in one game at a time. Go one and no, get that next one, try to build on that, and going into the tournament, you know what you got to do.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and you brought up a great point. It's it this isn't like football where, uh, regardless of what happens to end the season, they're still going to have a slim chance of making the NCAA tournament, which has been their goal. It's it's what they they said from the beginning of the offseason. They had unfinished business, and certainly not gone their way. But um, as it stands right now, Houston's second to last in the American Athletic Conference, behind only or only East Carolina is. We're the worst record in the conference at one and six Houston at two and six, Wichita state at two and four round out the bottom three in the American athletic conference, the team that they lost to on Sunday, South Florida, they sit at top at second at six and one and UCF of course is still number one overall in the American athletic conference at seven and one. So like you mentioned, it's going to be a, a real test to see just what, what is this team truly made of? They have, and that's another thing. They have a, they have a lot of, players returning from last season where they had a lot of success they had a lot of transfers they're not really a young team it's honestly kind of surprising where they've they have not been able to to break whatever slump they're in and have allowed one close game against UCF to to kind of escalate into what it has been now now it's certainly the lowest point of the season and like we mentioned it's going to be it's going to get to see do they get back up or do they allow it to just get out of hand
1: We'll see. One of the transfers that they he lost uh, and who they're missing is Maya Crump. Mm-hmm. She's yes. a difference maker. She was a huge difference maker, another player who can create off the dribble and still guard bigs. And they're definitely missing that. Can't wait to see their next game that they call that I call is February 9th That's their next home game. But they got Tulsa coming up, got to take care of business, go one and Enough time which Coach Huey and the women's the the best of luck. I, although I don't believe in luck, I believe in fate, but it's another story for another day. But coming up, we're going to talk with the men's basketball team who's climbing up the rankings here in the AP poll.
0: Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. ApolloHOU.com all Houston, all original. Looking for a better way to rep H Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. ApolloHOU, All Houston, All Original. And we're back for another segment of Pot Jama. Continuing on our talk with the UH basketball. Team now, like Deion said, we're switching over to the men's side. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the first segment, two teams heading in completely different directions. The men's basketball team in the midst of a 10-game winning streak with one of their best starts in conference play in the program's history and the best start they've ever had in the American Athletic Conference. Houston jumping to number six in the new AP poll that was released on Monday, January 31st. And we mentioned coming off the win against UCF in Orlando on Saturday where, uh, credit to the night, uh, I, I found it interesting where Calvin Sampson mentioned it after the game about how uh, big, how good of an atmosphere it was in Orlando. Uh, going back, being able to watch the game, it is certainly that. That's been by far the, the best crowd in comes to the conference schedule so far. Um, and honestly, you can even put them up there whenever they had to play Alabama earlier in the season in terms of hostile environments that they had to, to play in this season. But, of course, I think right off the bat when you start off with uh, that game in particular against UCF uh, regarding the men's, you got to go to senior leadership. And really, that, that's the sign of a good, mature team with how they were able to close both, both uh, halves to end, um, like I said, being able to close out both halves, especially in the first half they ended on a 19-4 run that put them up double digits um, heading into halftime, and then once again in the second half they ended it on a sixteen to six run. And really, probably more more impressively, is just their defense has not dropped, uh, has not missed a beat. Obviously, of course, you know the, the biggest storyline of the season is the injuries, and in particular the one that happened to Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark, which are both uh, season ending injuries. Um, Dan, let's start with Herbert senior leadership and just being able to close out the half strong. Kyler Edwards helped in that first half. In the second half, it was Tajay Moore and Josh Carlton. Um, and what have you seen during this uh, 10-game winning streak?
1: Yep, senior leadership. Like you said, those players along with Fabian White, it's really stuck out and the maturation of Jamal Shade, I feel like he's growing and getting more, more comfortable and comfortable game by game. But you know what I was thinking about the last episode that we recorded, we were talking about Josh Carlton being the player of the year in the American. And then um, since then, Kyler Harris has just been lighting it up. He's the reigning American player of the, of the week twice back to back. And he, he's been playing really well. I think he had, what, 17 in the last game against UCF. And I think maybe he is now leading for the conference player of the year, the way he's been playing. And I think he'll continue. And But they're seeing leadership. That's the difference. I mean, you look at a lot of teams, other players have injuries, may have someone out for COVID or maybe missing three or four guys. But that for one, they don't have Coach Sampson. But another thing, they don't have a lot of leadership. All right, so maybe mostly like a lot of young players, freshmen and sophomores. So for Houston to have these um grad seniors that, like Fabian said, this is our last year. There's no next year, there's no going around. So they're hungry too. So that they know what yeah. it takes, especially Fabian. He's he seen the final four. Now he wants to be a, even a, a bigger part of it. And, um, and so that leadership is different. It starts up, up top, Coach Sampson and his entire coaching staff.
0: Yeah, for sure. I remember, I think it was one of the opening games in the conference play after Marcus Sasser had been had been injured. And he, he mentioned, Fabian White mentioned, because he kept getting asked questions about how the team was going to adjust to losing Marcus Sasser. <laughs> Fabian White corrected, um, or he brought up that, you know, the rest of the team, they can still play. They can obviously, of course, they're, they're a part of the team for a reason and they can score themselves. It's just going to be, obviously, of course, they're going to change in terms of, how they play, but the overall message, especially on the defensive side, what uh, the message that Kelvin Sampson has has repeated for the past three seasons, two and a half plus counting of seasons that I've covered him in day on. I'm sure you've heard that message longer, whether you've been covering them. It's always defense and rebounding. That's the identity of these teams under Kelvin Sampson. They still have that identity. And like we mentioned, um, the last bucket up, podcast episode where we were talking about Josh Carlton and really the strong start to conference play he had and it has transitioned over more to to now Kyler Edwards he's carrying the load Uh, I'm sure um, these upcoming games will be stretches where Fabian White comes up big I mentioned in that UCF game Tajay Moore came up big alongside Josh Carton you to know, help put yeah. that game away it, it really across the board Reggie Chaney another player which I mean he started last season for that final 14 during that final four run that entire NCAA tournament run he was right there alongside Justin Grom, Dejan, and, and Quentin there's just leadership all over the place experience and that matters it'd be like you mentioned obviously of course Houston has a big uh advantage in terms of coaching with Kelvin Sampson and the staff and what they've been able to put together. That's not discrediting them. But, I mean, look across the board. If if you have uh, Kieran Powell, Robbie Armbruster, and, uh, you know, Romo Walker, Walker being the yeah. bulk of your starters, it, it would be in all likelihood probably a much different story. But because they have this senior leadership, they do a good job of being able to weather storms. And that's really what they've done the entire season. And, and they, it was kind of a microcosm of that against UCF where the Knights made their runs, of course, as you'd expect, especially on the road, tough road games. Um honestly that in years past, certainly um, going back a couple the 2019-20 season where uh they would lose some of these uh non non-con- not non-conference some of these conference road games where all you know, the atmosphere is against them. Uh, everyone's against them. But the other team makes their run and they would go. I remember mm-hmm. the 2019, 20 season, they would have these long periods of, of offensive droughts where they just could not score. Uh, they couldn't have uh, the Kevin's favorite. So they just couldn't put the biscuit in the basket. And this team is not like that. Of course, they're going to struggle occasionally just because that, that's the game of basketball. When it's a game of runs. Sometimes you're just not going to be able to, to go on those long runs, but Whenever they need a tough basket, it always seems like it's someone that's waiting to step up. And most importantly for Houston, it and it's a lot of times it's someone different, whether it's Tajay Moore yeah. going back to the first game of the season against Hofstra, hitting that big three. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, Kyler Edwards has come up big in moments, Josh Carlton in the in the post presence. I mean, even getting strong rebounds and stuff like that. And of course, Fabian White, we know what he can do. He did it last year during the NCAA tournament oh, yeah. um in that game against Rutgers. They're battle tested and and really I feel like that's the biggest difference. And now they're sitting number six in the country. And we, we, I won't even say I won't even play the what if game, but just like this team, what they've done is amazing. And here they are. They stand at seven and zero in conference play. And real quickly down before I toss it over back to you, quick check in the American Athletic Conference standings. Houston, obviously, of course, number one at seven and zero. Against uh, in conference, playing the American, the only undefeated team in the American. But SMU right behind them at 7 and 1. And really, they have put together a strong season. And um, Houston and SMU are actually set to play. And uh, just uh, over a week on February 9th, they'll play at SMU. That's going to be a good game. And, um, you know, like we mentioned his name a couple of times with Kendrick Davis, he's going to pose honestly, the biggest challenge to this UH backcourt, which is really thin uh, when you look at it. Really, they only have Tajay Moore. Uh, well, Tajay Moore occasionally in, the, in as a guard, but uh, Jamal Shed, Tyler Edwards, and um, you could probably throw in Ramon Walker in that, but really yep. it's become a lot more uh, uh, positions just because they don't have that set position outside of you know Jamal Shed as the, the go-to point guard, the only real true point guard that we've mentioned in the past, but uh, SMU right there to Tulane six and three who Houston plays on Wednesday. So that's going to be a big matchup. If, if Tulane can somehow beat U of H um, they'd, they'd get a pickup. Uh, they'd pick up a good win and, and would tie UH H in terms of, of wins in conference play. So a pretty big week coming up ahead for Houston. When you look at the bottom of the conference, Wichita State, South Florida and Tulsa round out the bottom with one win. Each uh, day on, I'll toss it over to you. What do you think about uh, that uh, overall in terms of, of what this team has been able to accomplish during the winning streak?
1: It's been very impressive. The way that they really buckle down and defend hard uh, is really, you can see it from versus other teams. So They don't really – other teams don't really just sit in a chair and defend Really hard and really compete on every single possession. That's what that What's one huge difference. I see because Sam's saying one thing that he's kind of concerned about, obviously, is their lack of depth, especially with the amount of games that they're about to play and not really having no rest because teams probably gonna want to speed them up, they're gonna want to press like UCF did. And see if they can kind of, but Houston. That's the thing about Houston. They can play in different ways. They can play fast, but they. I know they play at a slow tempo mostly, but they can play a, a transition game, especially with the shooters that they have, with Kyler Edwards the way he can spray the floor. But another good thing that I've noticed too about Coach Sampson, like he always says, basketball is easy. If you watch the game, it'll tell you what to do. And no matter right. what player it is, it can be from from Fabian to Juwan to whoever. If they're having a good game, he would let he would ride them and he would let them play. And that empowers the, each player because they know if they continue to play well, no matter if it's rebounding, scoring, anything that they're doing really well to not, to affect the game, they'll stay on the court. And I I know as a basketball player, it would it would. I mean, ignite me. It would make me play even harder, and, and that's what I see from all the way to Ramon Walker. When he gets on the court, he's arguably playing. Looks like he's playing the hardest out of everybody. He's ch- trying to take charges. He's getting rebounds. He's doing all the little things. And even from Kyler Edwards, he's so versatile. And and like you said, Jamal is the true point guard, but Kyler showed um, that he can play at the point and really be a very effective on ball. And so I think with that one two combination. Um, and Kyler keep playing like he is, and he's been uh, um, locked down on defense, man. And with the leadership that they have, with all the, the big shot makers, like we've all talked, keep talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I really like this team.
0: For sure, and one, one of the perks that we have we'll being able to record on a Monday night instead of a during the weekend is that Calvin Thompson has spoken already, and with his radio show uh, that he has, his weekly radio show that he has. Um, as part of the uh, UH Athletics, I, I believe it airs on KPRC 950 AM. Um, and I, I know they stream it online, but I, I, I'm a direct quote that Kelvin Sampson said at his radio show. And I quote, uh, one kid does not make our program and we make sure our kids understand that, end quote. Um, that quote right there really just encap- encapsulates what this UH culture, what this UH program is about where obviously, of course, everyone knows they're non-negotiables. They're going to recruit kids that are tough, that that play really um, hustle plays that, that Nick Sampson uh, calls them, uh, culture plays is what they call them. Um, it just It comes to mind, obviously, of course, Ramon Walker. It always seems like he's throwing himself for drawing charges, and you always have players that go for loose balls, but they're never really – One player centered and and going back to the past couple of seasons with some of the great players they've had, some of the great scores they had in Quentin Grimes, Caleb Mills uh, this season, of course, with Marcus Sasser. And it's time and time again, uh, whether they lost Caleb Mills, because um, he decided to go elsewhere this season with Marcus Sasser, who who got injured. I mean, even two seasons ago, Quentin's first year here where he he was, um, you know, had his struggles throughout the season. Houston always found a way to to push through that adversity, and there's always the team itself is much bigger than just one individual. And I think that quote from from Kelvin that he said um, on Monday's ninth nice radio show really, really shows what what how he's gone about building that program and um, the success that they've been able to sustain, especially uh, the past
1: few seasons. Yep, yep, I agree. With everything you said the way he's built it they just play yeah it's like and, and it's crazy because over the years he's had like really good scores for like from rob gray who i think probably was the best score that he's had in my opinion as far as like a complete score can get it off the dribble and do it like it's a different best score i think Armani's the best shooter and then Corey, but that's another mm-hmm. story. But he, even from them, when he when he had, has had different players, it no not matter. He he each player can go off at any time. It's a system where really it reminds me, it's a, a lot like NBA basketball, especially offensive. They play in a lot of pick and roll action, semi-transition basketball really when Jamal Sands, get him in the middle of the floor, he get downhill and he either look to score, drop it off to a big, or kick it out to a shooter. And he's really good in the semi-transition attack. They don't really play fast, but in those semi-transition opportunities, they will push the basketball and look to score fast and, and get up some threes. And so, man, I just, the Coach Simpson, they got some big games coming up, man. This two-lane game sure. is going to be a big one. Two-lane is nice. Jalen Cook, I think, is averaging around 18, 19 a game. I think they got an Alabama transfer. I watched a few of their games, and I really liked their, their coach as well. And is going to be a good one. And you got um, Cincinnati and then at SMU, like you mentioned. And so this stretch is going to be tough. Cincinnati is a really good team. They always have a good team, and they got a good coach, Sean. I believe it's Sean Wade, if I'm not mistaken, or there at Cincinnati. And so, man, but the mens I love where they're at. I love the way they play. I love how, how they play together. They're going to be tough. Yeah, like you mentioned, these
0: next three games are the top four in the American Athletic Conference, along with Houston, um, and even beyond that, February 12th against Memphis. I know historically, at least the past few seasons, that those matchups have always been, uh, you know, barn burners. They've always come down. It always seems like a Houston-Memphis game uh, comes down to the to wire, regardless of whatever record. If you can throw records out the window in those type of games, it's certainly going to be a stretch, but I, I was going to say, at the beginning of conference play, you mentioned you felt like Houston was going to be able to run through the American. And I found it surprising, but so far, seven games in, seven for seven, they're perfect. I certainly feel like it's going to be the toughest stretch that they've had so far in conference play. Uh, do you still see them being able to get past these, certainly these next three games? Um, Man. How do you see it going?
1: essentially okay i'm gonna go ahead right now two lane that's gonna be a tough tough one that's gonna be a dub that's gonna be a close game though Mm -hmm. cincinnati at cincinnati they're gonna we're gonna get everyone's best game cincinnati that's a tough game man it's it's gonna be tough especially with not having a lack of depth and so but, you know, the difference maker is Coach <laughs> That's what I believe sure. because he's not going to allow his team to go on that long of a run to where they just out of a game, you know. And so, man, I'm, I'm going to stay with it. I because They will run through the American. I'm going to stay with what I said. They're going to run through the American. And they're probably eventually going to be in the top three AP because they're going to keep winning. They're going to beat a lot of these teams. That They're going to beat Memphis. They're going to run through everybody. Watch. Memphis is going to be a tough game. Just UH is going to get everybody's best. <laughs> but I don't think their best can compete with what we got. Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> um, out of all the polls, it certainly doesn't seem like the the coaches are are that so. It certainly seems like Houston moving slowly. They they stayed at number nine in the country, which um wow. a, it's a sign of the times. With with number nine seems too low for for your team, uh, certainly for this Houston men's team and what they've been able to accomplish. But I agree. I I I'd probably mean with they, they should be able to edge off two lane, But um, I think these next two games, Cincinnati at SMU. Um, are going to be the toughest challenges. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if one of those two games, um, you know, go against Houston. But so far they've been perfect and and, uh, it's it's hard to maintain the perfect, but I think, uh, like you mentioned, they have, uh, obviously, of course, Calvin Sampson is the big positive, but going back to that senior leadership, I think going into those two environments, that's going to be key.
1: Which which one do you think they might slip up on?
0: If I had to choose, if I had to put money on one, I'd probably pick at oh. SMU. Uh, just, because, mm-hmm, just because of, uh, especially with the season they put together, I, it's going to be a, a crazy atmosphere uh, in Dallas. Uh, Midweek game, so maybe they, they catch a break there,
1: but uh, they're going to obviously. The, and that game is three days after they play Cincinnati. That's a turnaround. Yeah, from it's Sunday to Wednesday. They play on February 2nd. And then February ninth, and I mean February sixth, and then February ninth. Yeah. And so yeah. in a, a hostile true. environment, I, I would say, I would say this two lane game. Mm-hmm. I think this is the one that's going to be the close. It's going to be really, really close. I think after that, I'll be confident against Cincinnati. That's going to be a tough one. And then, yeah, yeah, I. I think the, I think this two-lane game is going to be well, – yeah, I don't know. I agree with you, SMU. SMU. Well,
0: the good thing yeah. about it is, that, like you mentioned, basketball is an unpredict- unpredictable game. So, I'll get to see what happens once, once they get out there in the court. But so far, like we mentioned, Houston riding high on a 10-game winning streak. They sit sixth in the AP poll. They actually have risen to number two in the country when it comes to net rankings, which um, – Really, Alabama, Alabama's win over Baylor over the weekend, much improved for, for Houston, uh, Houston's standings. Um, but yeah, like we mentioned, this is going to be the toughest stretch so far, certainly so far in conference playing. And day on, uh that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, real quickly, for for all of you guys that haven't done so yet, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else. You may be listening to your podcast. We'd greatly appreciate it. Of course, make sure you follow at PodSlamajamma, like you see it in the description on Twitter. That's at PodSlammaJama.
1: At PodSlamma Jamma, Follow both of us as well. And also be sure to follow official Apollo Media account that's at Apollo H-O-U for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else, only in H-Town, only on Apollo Media. And as always, go Cougs.